Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans 12.2 This is Resistance and Reformation on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Though you might never know it by reading some of our modern history textbooks, the capture and imprisonment of Henry Lawrence proved to be one of the most important events of the entire American War for Independence. He was of Huguenot extraction. His ancestors had come to South Carolina from France after the revocation of the Edict of Nantes made the Protestant Reformed faith illegal there. Raised and educated and trained in his hometown of Charleston for a life of business and commerce, he also had the opportunity to spend more than a year in continental travel. It was while in Europe that he began to write pamphlets about civic liberty, getting him wide renown as a thoughtful patriot. After his return home, he quickly rose through the ranks of local, state, and finally national politics. He served as a member of the First Provincial Convention in Charleston in 1775. The next year, he was elected vice president of the sovereign state of South Carolina under its new constitution and was chosen to serve as a representative in the Continental Congress in Philadelphia. He was so highly regarded by his fellow delegates that when John Hancock resigned his position as president, Congress unanimously elected Lawrence to succeed him on November the 1st, 1777. His tenure as the fourth president of the newly independent United States was terribly tumultuous Though George Washington's ragtag continental forces were somehow able to endure the long, hard winter at Valley Forge, the inconclusive battles of Monmouth and Newport left their war footing in an essential stalemate in the north, while the British refocused their efforts in the south, devastating everything from Savannah to Charleston. Meanwhile, the fledgling federal government struggled with financial shortfalls, foreign relations debacles, and internal infighting. Through all this, Lawrence served admirably, furiously outspoken, unflaggingly ambitious, and decisively brilliant. His obvious leadership abilities won him the admiration of the American patriots and the enmity of King George's court at Westminster. At the end of his distinguished term as president, he was appointed to supervene John Adams as the legate to the Dutch government at The Hague, and it was that assignment to which he was traveling when he was captured just off the coast of Newfoundland. The British cruiser Vestal, chased and intercepted the Mercury, the lone rebel packet. 
Lawrence, was thereafter transported to London, where he was imprisoned in the infamous Tower. Although he had been a lifelong churchman, it was not particularly known for his piety, but cut off from the noisy forgetfulness of public life, he resolved his faith into what he called a God-fearing, Bible-reading, hymn-singing passion for permanent things. The experience of imprisonment very often changes the outlook of men. Every sham pretense, every false motive, every empty ideal, every corrupt ambition, and every shallow desire is exposed for what it is. Prison either drives men to greater sagacity and keenness or to deeper vapidity and tedium. It either breaks men or makes men. It made Lawrence. Though he was no less irascible in his resistance to English rule, no less belligerent in his patriotic insurgency, and no less antithetical in his sedition against tyranny, he was far more pensive, far more judicious, far more principled. Giving glory to God through works of excellence became far more important to him than mere political pragmatism or popular acclaim. Years later, he would summarize his new Christian vision for excellence in social involvement as the natural outworking of covenantal responsibility. He wrote, at a time when liberty is under attack, decency is under assault, the family is under siege, and life itself is threatened, the good will arise in truth. They will arise in truth with the very essence and substance of their lives. They will arise in excellence and truth, though they face opposition by fierce subverters. They will arise in truth, never shying from the standard of truth, never shirking from the author of truth. The only American president ever to be held as a prisoner of war by a foreign power, Lawrence was heralded as the father of our country by no less a personage than General George Washington. After the Battle of Yorktown, the American government negotiated Lawrence's freedom in a dramatic prisoner exchange. President Henry Lawrence for Lord Charles Cornwallis. Ever the patriot, Lawrence continued to serve his nation as one of the three representatives selected to negotiate terms at the Paris Peace Conference in 1782. He thus applied his newfound Christian perspective to service to his country, to the great benefit of all. Although he had always been a man of great ability and accomplishment, in his later years, Lawrence redoubled his commitment to doing all things excellent. Although he had always been a man of great ability and accomplishment, in his later years, Lawrence redoubled his commitment to doing all things excellently and to the glory of God. Of course, 
among his peers, that kind of commitment would not have been terribly unusual. George Washington, John Adams, Alexander Hamilton, Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, Peyton Randolph, John Jay, James Madison, Elias Boudinot, Roger Sherman, John Hanson, Richard Henry Lee, and Gouverneur Morris, they were all sticklers for covenantal excellence. For them, maintaining a standard of excellence in all things that that they might undertake in this life was an outworking of Christian virtue. Indeed, that is the very foundation upon which both resistance and reformation necessarily rest. I'm George Grant on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. For more information and for resources, go to georgegrant.net or to adoringgod.org.